This week on the One Body Stewarding God's Creation Show, we learn about a few of the Eucharistic miracles that have been deemed authentic through the centuries and even up to our current age. Lester and Donetta Robin talk about these miracles, many of which are in the Eucharistic Miracles of the World exhibit, now available through Divine Mercy Radio. Lester and Donetta are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Donetta and Lester Robin, by introduction here, we are, we are, um, Lester is the president of the board of directors for Divine Mercy Radio. He is a retired letter carrier. In his retirement, he is a professional volunteer for <laughs> Divine Mercy Radio. He does some carpentry work and he plays golf. Donetta is the founder and executive director of Divine Mercy Radio. Divine Mercy Radio recently hosted a Vatican Eucharistic Miracles of the World exhibit in three cities in the listening area and so they are here to talk about this and what they gained from the exhibit so uh, welcome to both of you we're grateful that you're here let's jump into this uh, finding out more about the Eucharistic miracles so let's start though by finding out why you actually wanted to do this what was it about the Eucharistic miracles that made you want to to put together this exhibit to come to the the radio's listening area well, Lester and I had, uh, years ago, we had gone to an exhibit. Of, it was down in Lyons. In Lyons, It was yeah. several years ago. We heard that they had a Eucharistic exhibit, and so we went down there on a Sunday night, and, and we saw this Eucharistic exhibit. And then the Pew Research, it, it came out with a study that said very few Catholics, what was it? Only one-third of Catholics believed in the actual presence of the body and blood of Christ at, mm. at Mass. And these are Catholics who go to Mass. Mm. And that just, I told Lester, we need to do some. Let's, let's see if we can get that exhibit here. A couple of years ago, we did a relics exhibit here, and uh, we took it to three places, Manhattan, Hayes, and um, Salina. And it went over pretty good. So I said, well, maybe we should get that Eucharistic exhibit that we saw up here. So I called the national office, and they said, well, they have it all digitally, and they could send it to us, and then we could print our own. It's like, hmm, <laughs> not <Yeah>. good. <laughs> and then they said the closest um, that they knew that had this printed was um, Spirit Catholic Radio in Omaha uh-huh. and some pl- somebody in New Mexico. And, well, we know Jim Carroll from Spirit Catholic Radio, and so we called up there to see if we could borrow it for three weeks, and they said, of course, and um, so we got their exhibit to ah, bring so here cool. and we had it one weekend in Hayes, one weekend in Great Bend, and one weekend in Salina and it was really successful so a lot of people came through now in the city this doesn't sound like so much because in Omaha they had way more come through but um, we had about 350 come through in Hayes about 300 in Salina and 300 in Great Bend come yeah. through and view that exhibit so if we even reached you know half not us, but the Holy Spirit reached half of these people to have a deeper, deeper devotion and understanding of what the Eucharist is, then, you know, we did something, you know, this was worth the, the effort. What is a Eucharistic miracle? Here we're, we're talking about this exhibit, but, but what is a Eucharistic miracle? Well, throughout Christian history, our Lord has shown us that when he said he will be with us always, that he truly is with us always. And it's interesting that there's Eucharistic miracles 
especially during times of weakened faith. Mm-hmm. For, um, for instance, many, many happen, uh, many Eucharistic miracles take place as a result of somebody, or a priest especially, doubting the real presence. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot of that in all these miracles. There are so many of them that yeah. are... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because precinct with questions, daddy. yeah, dead yeah, doubting, yeah. You know, God says, "Well, let's let's talk about this." Yeah, here, right? I'll show you. I'll yeah, show you. I'll exactly. prove to you exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And most Eucharistic miracles involve the incidents where the the human flesh, the body, the actual the ho- bre- host, the bread and wine, turn into human flesh or human blood. And and interestingly. <laughs> All of these Eucharistic miracles have had the same blood type, mm. and that blood type is AB, and it's the same blood type as the Shroud of Turan. So, mm. it's yeah. it's like it's really yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know it, it really is just God saying it over is. and over yes. again, "Come on, there's just one more reason mm-hmm. to believe." You know, here's right. just here's mm-hmm. just one more reason to mm-hmm. to let you know that I exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And people can explain it away. They can explain these miracles away, but Yeah, the, just, the scientists and doctors and everything that do all the studies on this and yeah. and you know, you, you know and there was one, I don't mean it was it was like in 2001 or something, one of these miracles where the host started to bleed and stuff and then he put her away in a cloth and stuff and saved it. And then they sent it to two different laboratories, two different doctors, and they didn't know the other one was doing it and they each came up with their own conclusion. They never even told them what it was. What it was, right. Yeah, yeah a blind study. Uh, Truly, yeah. you know, they don't, yeah. they don't want to set the, the stage. Yeah. They want it to be uh-huh. real. And both of them came back with the same thing, that it was human heart tissue yeah. and everything and AB bullet type. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, they in many of them, I don't know which one you're thinking about but they talk about how it's living tissue you know Mm -hmm. and and it's been cut away there's no way that it could be living away from the host but Mm -hmm. it is you know it's 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 still yeah this this one i i was in in poland was the one we're talking about and referencing and it was in i think it was 2008 so this is really recent amazing and there was one recent one in 2006 that was bleeding and Mm -hmm. it was a sister had saw it when she was a nun as she was giving out communion and she just stopped and the priest from the look on her face knew something happened and so um from that you know now we have dna studies so they were trying to do a dna study on this blood type and they they were never able to extract the genetic profile from it because um he doesn't have an earthly father. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus yeah. doesn't have an earthly father, so they never they tried several times and they could never get yeah. the genetic profile on it. So I just mm-hmm. think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so many God. layers to all of this, uh-huh. isn't there? It just yeah. you know, you could study and study and study and mm-hmm. I, do you know how many Eucharistic miracles have been reported throughout the world? I think hundred and twenty six. That are confirmed. Yeah. Want to talk about some Eucharistic miracles, and then I if can, we have time, we can go back and talk about okay. the person who put it together. Okay. Okay. You know, for me, I have always heard about the priest with doubts. You know, having the miracle happen, the Eucharistic miracle, and then when we had this ex- display, and I was going around looking at them, there were a couple of them that just really kind of blew me away, and one of them, and this happened in France, and this was back in 1433. And there was this little church, and it was next to a river or a stream. Well, they had adoration going on, and so the monstrance was on the altar. And it kept raining and raining and raining, they ended up having a flood. So the priest thought, well, we better get back to the church and get that monstrance off the altar. Mm -hmm. And they had to use a rowboat to get there. Mm -hmm. 
and the water was four foot deep. And when they opened the doors to the church, it was like the parting of the Red Sea, mm. that the water was four feet high on each side, just a wall of water, but it was perfectly dry down the middle to the altar. And so, and I don't know why they didn't go get it off the altar right away, but word spread and other people started coming because they all wanted to see it. So they had all these witnesses and stuff that, you know, this really happened. So, but, and then there was another uh, one I read. This one, we didn't have it in our display, but it was in the book I have. And this, there was a person that wanted to get to go to Mass and, and receive communion. Well, the river was so high that she, this lady had to cross that she, there was no way she could get there, and she really wanted to get there and receive, receive the body of Christ. And so the water parted, the river parted, and she could walk across on dry land to the other side wow. so she could receive communion. Wow. So it's like that just kind of blew me away that, you know, I, I never even, my mind didn't go to that point of things like that happening, but yeah. there are all kinds of stories like that. Yeah. So God's still parting the waters. Is God it? is still yeah. parting yeah. the waters. Just in Moses' yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. so many wonderful, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful stories. You know, and I interviewed someone who researches Eucharistic miracles and has written books on it. And I asked him, have you ever, you know, in all of your research, have you ever seen a Eucharistic miracle? Because there are other faiths beside the Catholic Church that think they have the true presence, but they don't mm-hmm. have apostolic succession, so they don't. I said, have you ever seen a Eucharistic miracle in another church? And he said, no. It's never mm-hmm. happened. So for me, that was That's more of a, a testament to the fact that the Catholic Church is the true church mm-hmm. founded by Jesus Christ. So. It makes me wonder, you know, just thinking on that, along that line, is why don't we promote that more? Why doesn't the church promote it more? Yeah. It's like, look, we have proof. Nobody has that. Yeah. 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 You know, and that was just yeah. his research, but mm-hmm. but that's certainly what he told. And I've never heard of any in any yeah. other churches. No, I haven't either. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but Lester and I say, "Okay, Lord, we believe you do not have to turn to flesh for us." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that reminds, we were talking about yeah. this last night. There's one Eucharistic miracle where uh, it was a priest who had his doubts. And he consecrated the host and everything. And then when he was going to consume the host right before communion, he put it in his mouth. And while it was in his mouth, it turned to flesh. <laughs> so he spit it out. I mean, he didn't just puke it out on the, on the altar, you know, but he, he t- t- took the corporal and put it in there yeah. and set it to the side. And then afterwards, the, there was a sister who was the sacristan, and she was cleaning up. And she saw it, and uh, and that's what it was. It turned mm. turned to the flesh, and now, of course, they preserved it and everything, and it's on display. And wow. we we tell Jesus, you don't yeah, have to it's that like, oh, I don't know how I'd feel <laughs> if that happened in my mouth. You know, it's like, yeah. God, I believe. <laughs> there was one Eucharistic miracle that I really liked, and um, it was a priest that was on a mule. This was you know back in 1348 in Spain, but he was on a mule and he was taking the Eucharist to the sick, and as he was going through the river there was a big wave that came and and he fell off the mule and it swept the ciborium and um, hosts into the water and he was unable to recover him so um, he almost drowned but by the time he got to shore there were some fishermen that said father father come look he said there's fish with white discs in their mouth <laughs> and so he ran to the church without even looking to see if that was true he ran to the church real fast got a ciborium came back and here were fish with the little white disc in their mouth and he held out he said he he knelt down and he prayed like never before and he put the ciborium out and they they deposited each one of them came up and put those that that 
you know, what they, they called a white disc into the ciborium. And then the priest, when he got up, he did not realize this, but there was a crowd of people witnessing this. Wow. And That's yeah. so cool. What did I miss? So, so where did the discs come from the originally? The discs were the host. Hosts. Yeah, yeah but the host. Were they, they fell uh, into the they river. They fell into the river. Okay. And the fish, so recovered. The fish, the fish recovered, recovered them. And, and it says them that back. the fish had them. They were t- almost totally out of the water. They were up on the bank, you know, wow. with these hosts in their mouth. Wow. And there's yeah. a church built on the site that this happened. And it's still there today. And it has two fish carved into this door and paintings that depict that event. So that's still. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of the approved miracles. Too. They used to wow. do that a lot in the old days, that they would do a painting to tell the story, yeah. probably because so many people couldn't read and write anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they tell their stories with paintings and things like that. Sure. And I've read that in several of these uh, Eucharistic miracles, that that's how the story was told. Wow. Yeah. So uh, cool. on the since we're on the water theme <laughs> this <laughs> this was another one that was and this was in the display we had that was it was pretty awesome this was uh, actually pretty recent this was in 1906 in Colombia and uh, there was an underground earthquake which of course you know is going to create a tsunami and uh, they knew this was coming it was a small island it was Tamaco is the name of it the Colombia small island and they they knew it was coming, and the water was coming and raising up, and then and, and it receded, whatever. And then there was a big wall was coming. So, anyways, the people were yelling at the priest to you know come whatever, and, you know bring the monstrance. Mm-hmm. So he ran to the church, and he said he consumed all the hosts that were the smaller ones, and put the big one in the in the monstrance. And they had a procession to the beach. Yeah. And when he got to the beach, he was right on the edge of the water, and this big wall of water came, and. And they were all praying and stuff, and and then the wall just receded and went back, and it, it never did wipe out the village. Mm-hmm. But there were several other cities and stuff that that tsunami did just totally destroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all the people were yelling, "Miracle, miracle, miracle!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, makes me think of the the story of I think it's Saint Clair going out on the church yes. steps when they were coming to attack the mm-hmm. nuns in mm-hmm. the convent, mm-hmm. and she went out with the monstrance, and they went. They went mm-hmm. away. Yeah. 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 How cool is that? That's uh-huh. just such mm-hmm. such a powerful image. Yeah. Well, let's talk some more about okay. uh, the uh, Eucharistic miracle. I have um, one I'd like to share. These. This was back in, I don't know if I pronounce this right, Krakow? Krakow. Krakow, that's where. Krakow, Poland, where Pope John Paul Pope was from. Pope John yeah. Paul mm-hmm. was from. The th- this was back in the 1300s, though, but um, the thieves broke into a church, and they had stolen a ciborium because they wanted it. To, they wanted the gold. But then when they found out that it wasn't real gold, they just threw the whole thing into the sw- a swamp area. And uh, this light started <laughs> emerging from this swamp area, and the whole town saw it. And it's like, what is going on out there? And they knew these, the host and ciborium was stolen, but they didn't think that the light in that was the same thing. But after it kept shining brighter and brighter every day, the priest called for three days of fasting with the parishioners of prayer and fasting. And then after the third day, he went out to the swamp and they found the ciborium and um, all the hosts were intact. Wow. So Jesus was showing them where it was. That was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it reminds me of another question that I asked the person that had written the book and done the research on Eucharistic miracles. I said, what about black masses? You hear about, you know, um, Satanists coming to churches and, and taking the host. Do they go to other churches? And he said, not that I have ever, you know. And, and again, it's just proof that, that we have the truths of presence, mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been blessed with that and the church that, that Christ founded. We have the true presence here in mm-hmm. in the Blessed Sacrament. Christ knew we needed this. He gave mm-hmm. it to us at the Last Supper and, and made it a part and made it available to us to grow in His grace so that He could could help us along our way to be with Him someday in heaven. And we can't do it on our own, that's for sure. Yeah. At least I can't. I don't know about you guys, but I know <laughs> I can't do it on my own. Yeah. And so what a blessing it is to have that true mm-hmm. presence and, mm-hmm. and to have it revealed through these Eucharistic miracles. Another favorite Eucharistic miracle you, you want to share? Well, about? just on what I'm feeding off what you just said here, and yeah. I didn't write this down or, or make a copy of this one, but I read it yeah. the other night, yeah. and it was about uh, it was some it was a witch or a person you know black black magic and stuff yeah. stole a host, and just being mean and spiteful wanted to destroy it, so they took it and they put it in a frying pan with hot oil and they were going to burn it. Well, it, as soon as they dropped it in the the hot oil, it jumped out and it just floated like it levitated. Mm. And she couldn't, and it, and it freaked her out then. And so she told someone, and then they turned it back in, and it ended up, a priest went and got it and stuff and everything. But uh, wow. it, I'm, I don't know what it's, it did, remember what it said about what she thought afterwards if yeah. she converted or whatever, but uh, yeah. I know it scared the dickens out of her. <laughs> okay. Good it, thing, that just right? breaks yeah, yeah. my heart that people do that <clears throat> because would you take would you take a physical body and just trample on it? Or throw it into a swamp because you don't care, you know. It just breaks my heart that somebody does that to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are, are several Eucharistic miracles that deal with people who stole the host and and tried to. I, I remember there was one, and someone stole a host. It was a, a, a man, and uh, and he wanted to just stomp on it. You know, stomp the stomp God out of it. I guess <laughs> only he wasn't thinking God, but anyways, he had spikes on. And it made three holes in it, and those holes started to bleed, and it just, and he stopped, you know, and it just made a believer out of him, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are several different ones, I, you know, that, where people stole it, and then things, something like that happened. Right. And I didn't read, well, of course, I guess I, they wouldn't have it in there, it wouldn't be a Eucharistic miracle if uh, they did, you know, end up destroying it, and it was gone or whatever, but uh, right. we hear about the ones that were retrieved. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. But one of the things, and we haven't talked to our board of directors, we just talked to our um, executive board yesterday, just via email, but Spirit Catholic Radio wants to get a, a set of um, Eucharistic miracle, what do you A display, but it wouldn't be as big as the one we had. This would be more like on, on a, a tabletop. On, yeah, it's a kind of an accordion type thing that you would fold out, and they're probably maybe two by three foot a piece or two by two and a half feet. And you'd set several long tables together and display it like that. But it would be very similar to this, and I think that it's coming smaller. from the same place. Yeah. Only smaller, a little bit easier to travel and, and display. And they're looking for another radio station, so that's why Jim contacted me. Um, because if, if, two, if they can order two sets of them, <clears throat> then they can get it for a little bit less. And, and what the, you do with it, this is what Jim does with it, and that's if, if we decided to do this, this is what we would do with it. We'd store it. And if any parish out there would want that for a weekend or for their school, mm-hmm. then we would loan it out to them mm-hmm. to do that. 
Um, so it would just be part of our evangelization mission. Part of our mission, yeah. But we haven't talked to the entire board about this, so um, we're just. But we're thinking about it and praying about it and see where that goes. You yeah. know, just as a service to the diocese and everything. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Part well, of the evangelization, not, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not just our diocese. I mean, yeah, we could. We're we're in three dioceses, mm-hmm. actually, our radio stations. So it could go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yeah. so good. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Eucharistic Miracles with Lester and Donetta Robin. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Eucharistic Miracles. With Lester and Donetta Robin. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We are talking with Lester and Donetta Robin, and they are talking about Eucharistic miracles. And uh, I think we've pretty much covered, maybe talk about the ones that are the most meaningful to you. We've talked about a whole lot, but which ones were the most meaningful and why? Uh, this is a, a, one of the Eucharistic miracles, and this was in France in 1461. And this boy, when he was seven years old, he fell, had an accident, and was paralyzed and mute after that. And so when he was 11 years old, his mother had taken him to Mass, and this was at Easter. And he motioned that he wanted to receive communion. And the priest didn't want to give it to him because he hadn't been to confession and he couldn't talk and communicate. But this kid insisted that he wanted communion. So Father gave in and gave him communion. And right after he received communion, his paralysis disappeared and he started talking. Mm. Yeah, And it happened on Easter. Wow. How awesome is that? That is very awesome. That was in France? That that was in France in 1461. Wow. In La Rochelle is where it was. Wow. What a beautiful story. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, This one was in India in 2001, so this is pretty recent. The priest there was consecrating the host, and he held up the host, and when he did, three red spots appeared on it, Mm -hmm. like blood, and... He knew something was happening and just kind of froze and didn't know what to do with it. So he took the host and kind of placed it aside. And then he went on and and had mass. And the uh, the sacristan afterwards took it and put it away in a safe place. They had a safe they put it in, they said. And like five days later, Father got it out again, and he was going to have adoration, so he's doing exposition. And when he pulled that host out, it had the image of Jesus on it. And he held it up, and he thought it was only for him that no one else could see it. And so he asked the altar boy, do you see anything in this host? And he said, yeah, I see a man's face in there. And he said, and the longer, and then he held it up again, you know, and the longer he held it up, he knew that everybody in attendance saw it. So, and, and then he had a professional photographer come in and take pictures of it. And the longer it was, I don't want to say alive, but it, it is the living presence of Christ there, you know, the image got stronger and stronger. And so now that image is still on display in India, so you can go and venerate it and everything. 
Wow. Yeah, so wow. that was just pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, wonder if it looks like the face of Turin as well, if the face on. Oh, the I don't. I don't know if it matches or whatever. But I mean, there's a picture of it. You can see wow. the, the actual host there in the bottom picture. There is wow. how vivid that picture is. And so uh, I would like to say, and I won't say the priest's name, yeah. but but at a Eucharistic miracle display, it was a priest in our diocese came up and asked if there was any panels like this of the, of the image of the priest or of, of Jesus appearing in the host. And we said, yeah, there was one over there or whatever. And he looked at it and he came back and he says, you know, I want to tell you a story. He says, when I was a kid, and I thought he said he was in eighth grade. And I think it was during adoration, too, and the exposition. Anyways, Jesus' face appeared mm. in the host, too. Mm. And, he, and he wasn't the only one that saw it. His classmates in school saw it, too. And he said, and three of those boys in that class became priests. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it happens in today's times, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just think the power of the priest, you know, the power of the priest to consecrate that bread into his body and blood it's just it's such a miracle that he uses simple hands to do that mm-hmm. you know yeah. so thank yeah. you priests <laughs> <laughs> exactly you uh, being, for giving you, us the body yeah, and blood of uh, jesus exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. standing in the person of Christ. It's not the, the priest himself that, that has oh, the Oh, they power. have to be so humbled yeah. by it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, and uh, I know sometimes doing it I, I it, I feel humbled and unworthy to do it. And uh, there are times, like, if, you know, I really get into that, mood or whatever and or even just going up to receive communion and i'm thinking that's jesus up there mm. you know jesus is so humbling yeah sometimes mm. he just touches our hearts <laughs> yeah. and tears start falling and there's just nothing you can mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah what a beautiful yeah. testament to your faith mm-hmm. that, that both of you are are just so in love with Jesus in the Eucharist and and living out that love, you know, one of the many ways I'm sure that you do it is is through the Catholic radio station and and yeah. bringing um, this to to so many people. Um, you know, it, truly, I, I wish all of you could be in the studio right now and see the the faith and the love of these two people that have have uh, you know made it possible for us to have this Catholic radio station. Well, one of the things that Lester and I talk a lot, (laughs) one of the things we always say is, you know, couples who have trouble, who are having trouble in their marriages, and and it's not, you know, sometimes it it takes both couples, both people that want to make it work in order for it to work, but, and and in some situations, there's a person that just doesn't want it to work, so there's really not a lot you can do in those situations, but we always say, in order for relationships to work, you just have to have God. If you have the love of God, that love is going to overflow to each other. Yeah. Yep. I agree. If only we could make people kind of understand yeah, yeah. that, you Get know. Get that connection. Yeah. 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 Yeah, know the power of that. Because we, we tell grandkids sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, you need Jesus. Oh, well, we're just not like you, you know. Yeah. It's like, they oh. say, you know how hard it is to live <laughs> up to having your grandma and grandpa running Catholic radio. <laughs> and then we have others who are just yeah. fine with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a little smaller ones, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a state of, of our world right now, you know, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. uh, really you know they're just being bombarded, away. you know, mm-hmm. bombarded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. 
I want to tell you about one more here. This was kind of totally different. I'd never heard of one like this. This was in Germany in 1255. And again, the priest was uh, consecrating the host. And when he held it up, and he had doubts, and when he held it up behind him was a wooden crucifix on the wall, and it was big. And they show a picture of it here on on this panel. But the wooden crucifix, the arms of Jesus, came down and reached around that priest and grabbed the host out of his hand and held it up. And the priest uh, started to cry. And then uh, the, let's see, what did it say here? He fell to his knees and begged for forgiveness for having doubted. And the Lord returned the chalice to him as a sign of pardon. And the miraculous crucifix is still preserved to this day in the town of Regensburg, Germany. Mm. So it's like, you know, would that blow you away if you were in mass and that happened? And, <laughs> and because in our church, I mean, our, our crucifix is huge and it's really high. Yeah. But to have that thing move and reach down and grab that host. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, God can do anything. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. what that did not only to the priest, but everybody that was in the church at the time. It's like... Mm. Yeah. I have uh, two more here. Okay. Uh, this one happened in 1290, and this was in Poland. And the Lithuanians were invading, and this was the, a village called Glatowo, Glatowo, I guess. Anyways, they knew that the, they were being overrun, so the priest took the ciborium because it was plated in gold and knew they would want it, and he took it and buried it in a field. And he didn't know it, but there was one host left in there. Mm. And it, it didn't say that he was killed in this when they ransacked the place, but uh, it sounded like the, there weren't many survivors in the village. So anyways, so people didn't even know that he had taken it and buried it. Yeah. Well, it was several years later that this farmer was plowing that land. Mm. And when he was plowing, it was plowing it with oxen, yeah. and he was turning over the earth. And when the oxen got to this point, they stopped and they bowed down on their front knees wow. and there was a glow coming from the ground and this farmer was you know beating his oxen trying to get him to move and they would not budge wow. so he went and turned over this the earth right there where the a light was emanating from yeah. and found the the ciborium with the host in it it was perfectly intact and the ciborium is on display now in uh, poland to this day wow that's amazing. Yeah. That's an yeah. amazing story. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of the story. Uh, did you guys, I'm trying to think what the book was. It was about um, Pope John Paul II, but he was, you know, in a busy schedule. And so the person that takes him around, I can't remember what the title is, but he's, he told the people, go and put a big potted plant in front of the Adoration Chapel door. Because if, if Pope John Paul II sees the Adoration Chapel, we're going to even be even further off schedule. So go block <laughs> it off that. so he doesn't know. And so they're walking down. And all of a sudden, the Pope stops <clears throat> and he looks at the man with him and he says, shame on you. And he moves the <laughs> potted plant and goes in there because he realized. <laughs> The presence of Christ, presence of Christ, was right there. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it shows the holiness of our yeah. of our Pope. So exactly. wow. All right. So last. I have one. I have yeah. one more. This was from Venezuela in 1991. So this is pretty current. And uh, this, the host had bled. Uh, a priest was consecrated it, and it bled. And so they have it on display now. And people can come visit it and everything. And anyways, this was a a person from the United States went, and they have tours all the time. And he went in there and was staring at it, and he's had his camera, and he's filming it. 
and the hose started beating like the heart was beating Mm -hmm. and they said it did that for about 30 seconds pulsated but he got it on tape and everything and so that was pretty cool and that's just so new 1991 yeah yeah And I bet there's more than these that are being reported. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, Jim Carroll from Spirit Catholic Radio said, Nonana, when you do the Eucharistic Miracles display, get this book and have it available just for people to be able to buy and and study it more themselves. So I figured three weekends, maybe 20 books we could sell. (laughs) So I ordered 20 books and... My Saturday afternoon in Hayes was our first stop. I ended we up sold them ordering two, three more times. We sold, had three 100 books. Times. We sold 100 books. Wow. And I'm still, I'm still getting people to say, Donetta, do you still have the book? And I, I'm saying, well, there's a Catholic bookstore in Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we, we don't want to be a... Yeah, a yeah, bookseller. No, <laughs> no, no. And, and, and we sold them just for our costs. I mean, yeah. we just did it as a service. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. This is a beautiful book. It really is. Yeah. Full color um, pictures in here and mm-hmm. divided by um, countries Country. around mm-hmm. the world. So mm-hmm. how cool is that? Yeah. yeah. And you want to take it in bites. Like um, my daughter took it and she's her her and her son are reading one before bed every night. Oh, how you nice. Know, so. Yeah, that's kind of. So we're hoping he's going to be our priest. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we, we better quit saying it because yeah. one of the priests told us we Yeah. We need to let God call him. <laughs> Not us. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's still in school. He didn't hear that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Well, we still have just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Donetta. Well, one of the things that I found very interesting when we were getting ready to put this Eucharistic Miracles up is, is the person who put most of these panels together. Or mo- well, he didn't put the panels, but he put the... Um, he put the information together with photos on computer. He was kind of just oh. a computer geek. He's just a 15-year-old kid. Well, he was 15 when he died. He was just a kid, and um, he just had a love for the Eucharist. And his parents, he was an only child, and his parents were pretty wealthy. He's from Italy, Carlo Acutis. And his parents took him around and, and allowed him to research this stuff in different countries, and he put all this information together. And so the, the later... Eucharistic miracle somebody else had to have done because mm-hmm. he died in yeah. 2006, I believe. But, yeah. um, you know, here he put it all together on computer, and, and he loved computer, and he loved to play video games. And he decided um, he knew the video games could rule his life, so he allowed himself, I think, one hour a day once on Sunday. Well, on yeah. Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to get a book on Carlo Acutis and read more about him because what a saint for our our teenagers in this day and time and a year after he completed his his the computer project um he died of leukemia and then three years was it three years or four years three years i believe after on the anniversary of his death his mother gave birth to twins Mm. and um he was an only child up until that point so she believes that was one of his miracles mm. so. i agree i agree that's <laughs> wow yeah. yeah now they're getting ready to make a movie about him so i think i thought catholic they already radio, started on it yeah they, catholic yeah. radio was talking about it they were needing some extras and mm-hmm. things like that so when that comes out we'll we'll definitely 
publicize it. Yeah, promote that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. And I know he is having a tremendous a- impact on the the young people because I know I didn't know anything about it, and my son's the one that heard about it at youth group and came home and, oh, yeah. wow, mom, li- listen to this, you know, <laughs> and and so I mm-hmm. I know, you know, and, and you know if you look at his burial pictures, I think he's buried like in a hoodie and a pair of blue jeans or something, oh, you know, right. and correct. He's in, in in, yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that. When, when he became blessed, I think, you know, we like to dig up bodies. So. <laughs> yeah. But he's incorrupt. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, just tremendous. You know, isn't it wonderful to be part of the Catholic faith? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To have been blessed. I mean, I could have been blessed into any, and I actually was. I was baptized Lutheran. So um, I was blessed into a different faith, but I, I feel so, so blessed that, that I was able to find out about the Catholic Church and to learn about it. It was not because of Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio, I don't think, was even around when I became Catholic. But, um, you know, just such a blessing that Catholic radio is now giving to all of the listening area because statistically 50% of the listeners are not Catholic and 25% are lapsed Catholic. So the fact that you can give them the truths and the traditions of the Catholic church in the privacy of their homes, in the privacy of their cars, what a gift that is because they can learn more. If they are Catholic, they can learn more about the faith. If they aren't Catholic, they can learn the truth instead of all the myths that are out there, the mm-hmm. misunderstandings that are out mm-hmm. there. They can learn what the truth really is. You know, That's what's right. what's really cool about Catholic Radio is it, you can call in, and you can call in anonymously because these are yeah. national I mean, international, actually. So you can call Catholic Answers, and you don't even have to give them your real name. You can give them a middle name or a fake name, but you can ask any question, and they will help. They will help get you to understand where the Catholic Church is coming from. Yeah. But they also listen to the reason. You know, they they listen to the other person, and they don't. uh, What I like about it is they don't really knock their faith or tear it down. Mm -hmm. They just help them get around it to where the to, to where they can get to understand the truth that Jesus was trying to tell us. Yeah. You know, so I think a Catholic Answers and um, One O'Clock Show. Dr. David Dr. David, Dr. David Anders. Anders. Yeah. Yeah. Call yeah. to yeah. Communion. Yeah. Love yeah. that show. Yeah. That's my he favorite. He's just a wealth of knowledge, that yeah, guy. He really yeah. is. Yeah. 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 And he does it with such charity and love and care yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah. just always just Mm -hmm. you know never any pomp you know never Mm -hmm. any put down never any boastfulness on his part it's always just very Mm -hmm. patient and kind Mm -hmm. i love i -hmm. love that show that's my favorite so we have about three minutes left what would you like to share with our listeners grady you know one Mm -hmm. of the things i i say too is um this station cannot be about us i agree because um we're already making plans for me to retire and somebody to maybe take over it we don't want it to be about us we don't want catholic radio and donetta and lester robin to be synonymous mm-hmm. yeah we did our part you know we, we got, feel, got it we this feel, far and it's on it's on pretty good footing we feel yeah. very so, humble that yeah God called yeah, us. yeah yeah it helped us i mean we've grown a lot in this whole process mm-hmm. yeah you know like I said, it's made a, bel- a real believer out of me, and you know, thought I was because totally I'm kind of the numbers guy, and the, and the yeah, yeah. yeah and I want to know, you know, how are we going to make this payment, whatever. But yeah. God has taken care of it. I always think this is this is God's station. This is not ours. Yeah, yeah. Lester yeah. always says no, no. Before we say no to God, let's just pray about it. <laughs> so he would always 
agree to pray about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, all right. God I, would have something come yeah. through, and it's like, see? <laughs> yeah, he's always he's always taking care of us. I have to agree. Yeah. yeah. And it's that way in everything. You and know, we've not got just a great board of like, directors. Oh, oh we do. My yeah. gosh, we got a great board of directors yeah. with all different skills, and they and mm. they all contribute something. From very, their very committed to their yes. Catholic faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah really so strong, we're very strong board. Yes, for that too. yes, yes. Excellent. Yeah. It's it's a great family. Yep. Yeah. Thanks to all of you who support this Divine Mercy Radio network. To learn more about Divine Mercy Radio's evangelization mission, visit dvmercy.com and also download the free phone app from the Play Store or the Apple Store. If you are a business or service who can underwrite the phone app or underwrite this one body show, please call 785-621-4110. You're listening to the network of stations that is Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. (laughs) 